Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mike Velarde Show here on the Total Media Network. I'm excited to welcome the program, Mike Velarde. Mike, how are you? Uh, it, it just, I mean, uh, this craziness, COVID-19, it's really hitting right. Florida, it's really hitting Texas, and what are you hearing about hospitalizations? That's the biggest concern I have, and deaths. Not as much cases as hospitalizations and deaths. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, look, it, 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 this, this, in my opinion, is germ warfare from China. Um, it is just, I mean, I think I mentioned to you, I was notified that I was exposed last week. I haven't been feeling well since. Um, I'm going, you know, I'm seeing the doctor, of course, and I'm going to self-medicate and keep quarantined for the next week. But um, it's, I think it's, it's obviously real. I think that what I've also heard is that, you know, they're, they're, they're upping the numbers a little bit because there's money involved if somebody dies from covert 19 as opposed to something else. So even on the tests, I heard that there, there's a, that, that some nurse was, uh, somebody sent me a text about some nurse that sent in, sent in you know, um, the test and all they used was water and it came back positive. So, so I think there's a lot more going on than we actually know about. Um, I, I think it's, you know, it, it, it's obviously a deadly virus. My son works in a COVID-19 hospital where all the cases of 19, they had to bring in, you know, in New York and they brought in extra freezers. It's, right. it's um, somewhat stopped up there or, or, or definitely everything's on the decline up there, but it seems to be growing down here. Right. And why is it growing out in here? We will never know this, or we will know at one point if China decided to put more of the virus out there, or there's more conspiracy to that level. Or again, this is not one that's just going to just be stopped if you flatten the curve, but then go back to normal reality or have too many things like protests. And that's where we'll go to next. The the craziest thing that you're hearing out there, Mike, is if you had a hundred thousand people to protest, you're not going to be able to pass COVID nineteen, right? Well, that, you know that's what's crazy because that you talk about explosion in Florida. We had riots in the street. They shut down ninety five a couple of weeks ago. I don't believe for a second that a lot of those people weren't carriers and spreading it like crazy. They came into town, spent spent a couple of days, left, and from that point on. You know, it's it's been on the rise. Completely. So let's talk George Floyd. I got a lot of feedback from different people saying, okay, that's fine. When is this going to come out? When is this going to come out? This was a murder, not a police brutality murder, but a straight murder. Yeah. The, listen, Minnesota needs to do an investigation. There should be a federal investigation because counterfeiting is handled by the United States Secret Service. Okay, they need to be investigating that counterfeit ring to to prove that this that both these men were involved in that counterfeit ring, and one killed the other to cover up, stop him from talking, and that's what this was. My understanding is there's some high, you know, there's, there's some political people involved, and that that's 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 so that's not they're not putting the resources into it. Secret Service needs to look into that. They really do. Because 
when it becomes public knowledge and people understand that the reason he was killed was because, the, the, you know, Derek Chavin, who was the cop, um, who was also involved in this counterfeit ring, and, and it's well known that they knew each other, and that's well known, but this aspect of it has not seen the light of day, and it changes the whole narrative. But I think that there's a bigger picture here, and the bigger picture is they weren't going to stop Donald Trump with a Joe Biden as long as the economy was well, the stock market was high, and everything was going good. And they created an incident because all the money that goes to Black Lives Matter is being funneled into the Joe Biden campaign. That's how Joe Biden ended up outraising Donald Trump the last two months was from that money. And that's getting from a lot of corporations that are donating just to to be pro Black Lives Matter. Right. They they they're they have money to spend and it's a foundational type of thing. But as you're saying, it's getting funded back into the Democratic Party. Uh, they they have to do it because again I know that if you're not funding Black Lives Matter as a corporation you're going to receive heat so yeah. they have to do it yeah. correct what? Mike correct oh yeah you're 100 percent correct and but and let's look at Joe Biden just just for a minute okay. I'm going to give you some facts about Joe Biden. Joe Biden graduated from the University of Syracuse Law School. Okay. In his graduating class, there were 85 people who graduated with him. Okay. What number do you think Joe Biden was out of those 85? You say, you're going to say 85. No, I'm not going to say 85. He was 76 out of 85. Okay. 76 out of 85. That puts him at the bottom 15% of his law school class. Bottom 15%. Is this the guy we want running the country? The best speeches this guy has ever given were copied word for word from RFK and Neil Kennick. And if you don't know who Neil Kennick is, he was the British prime minister. And I actually saw the videos of Kennick's speech and then Biden's word for word verbatim. Just like he got in trouble for plagiarizing in college. Same thing here. He doesn't have an original thought. At the apex of his political career in 2008, okay, the height of his political career, he just got picked to run to be vice president, Barack Obama. He gives a speech. And he gets in front of a group of people and he says this, what America needs is a three-letter word, jobs, J-O-B-S, a three-letter word, jobs. Neil, if you could not count to four when you're at the height of your career, what are you going to do when you're a 77-year-old man who has dementia? I mean, that's, that's the scary point all the things. And we all know this. I remember a debate that Sarah Palin beat him. Governor yeah. Palin beat him. But he lied saying that he was at this, he goes to this certain, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what was it? Um, oh, he goes to this certain diner and the diner is closed for nine years. Right. And he, he lied every time on Palin and Palin really won that. But McCain never came back, the late Senator McCain, and said right. that by, that Vice President Biden 
absolutely lied during the whole the whole debate. Every point fact checked was wrong to beat Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin was a talent. I don't care what yeah. anyone says. She was a talent that was destroyed because McCain threw her to the wolves. You would have a different history if McCain Palin wins the election, not President Obama. Oh, there's no, there's no question. I mean, you, and we could say that for any presidential election. Um, that's for sure. I mean, certainly. Listen, the world will be totally different if Biden beats Trump. Totally. Okay. I mean, you'll see $7 gas. You'll see $7 gas, 20% unemployment. Because yep. if they go with the Green New Deal, right, we're done. What are we going to do with $7 can stay gas? stay home and not work for, for COVID yeah, that's, for the next that's six right. years. They just we'll, don't have we'll to work. We'll, we will be Venezuela within two years. I mean, that's, that's what would happen. What we need to happen is we need Republicans to step up, win back the House, keep the presidency, and keep the Senate. That's and what we need to happen. And the only way you do that is you have to figure out this COVID-19 thing and also the yeah. protests. How do you make sure the country turns back to Trump? Is it another stimulus? Is it? Well, yeah. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how I think we do it. Trump, Trump, I'm running to be his congressman. He needs to back me. And the reason he needs to back me is my platform will turn Democrats into Republicans. Okay. I... I've been doing this for over a year. There's not one person I've come across, Democrat, Republican, who, who disagrees with my platform. So he starts talking about making Social Security tax-free like it should be because the senior citizens are getting double taxed and it's unfair for them to have to, in their old age, pay, pay on their, their, their Social Security money, which is just their money coming back to them when they already got no tax benefit when it was taken from them. He will win the senior vote. Yeah, no, he will. And so, but we'll, I mean, it'll be a wait and see. And your camp, the way you're running uh, is unlike anyone else in the fact of your plan. Your plan yeah. is different. It showed it in the debate. Your plan yeah. is absolutely different to anyone else's. It doesn't sound Republican, doesn't sound Democrat. It sounds for the people. Right. That Mike Villardi is for the people. And that is the difference. He is not looking to kowtow to the Republicans. He's not looking to kowtow to the Democrats, the independents. He is trying to create a plan that's going to work for the average person and right. help everyone. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why, it, well, if, if Trump were to back it, if, the, if Trump would agree with me to push for term limits, which is absolutely necessary, and the House and the Congress agree to sign that bill, um, to get rid of the political corruption in Washington, because look at these people, Biden, Schumer, Pelosi, they're there forever. You can't get rid of them. They're entrenched. Yeah. They're entrenched. Completely. And because they're entrenched, they yield tremendous political power. But if, if, if Pelosi was limited to just six years as a congressperson, and Schumer just to 12 years as a senator, he'd be done. He'd be out of there. And everybody would know, hey, look, Chuck, you're going to be gone next year. There's not much you can do. Exactly. 
our government would work much better. And we know we have the same thing on the Republican side. I mean, Mitch McConnell's been there forever. I mean, there's a lot of Republicans that have been there forever too. But that the problem is that they don't care if Trump wins or loses. That's the problem. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because they're going to just kowtow and say, "Oh, thank you for my handout. Thank you for that. Thank you for this." And that's it. Right. And we really need to do some serious things in Washington. I mean, the budget, the deficit's getting out of control because of what happened with COVID-19. I mean, America stopped for three months. Literally stopped for three months. Yeah. Totally, literally stopped for three months. It's just, and I, but, I, but we're stopping again. That's my concern. We're stopping again, which is going yeah. to destroy the economy. And it's yeah. going to it's going to be unless another stimulus comes through, it's going to destroy travel again. I, I just don't know what these governors can do to stop looking at politics and look at what's best practices. So what, Mike, if you were running the, uh, the state of Florida, yeah. would you do differently than Governor DeSantis? Well, you know, I'd, I'd want to know a couple of things. I want to know where the spread is. Yes. What, what could possibly have caused it? And then what could we do to stop it? Because, you know, there's a whole contingent about people who don't want to wear face masks. One, and I understand you have to have something. You have to protect against this thing some way, somehow. I definitely want the best scientists I could possibly find to, to talk about what we can do to stop it, what we can do to prevent it, and what we can do to lower the, you know, the, the amount of people catching it. Because we have to put this thing to bed. We absolutely have to. It's an absolute must. And if we don't do that, it's going to get, you know, totally out of control. I mean, and some people just don't take it seriously because they say, listen, it, you know, the, the recovery rate is, is much greater than if you got the flu. But then the people who are susceptible, the senior citizens, the older people, they get it. It's a true killer. We're going we're gonna to start losing our senior citizens in masses. But it also affects younger people. Yes. I mean, there was a nurse who got it at the hospital. She died five days after getting it. That's the, see, that's a great point you're making. People want to make it that young people will be okay and safe with it. And you just never know. A virus is a virus. For example, I've gotten the flu many times, Mike. But if I didn't get, if I, many times, but it never got that worse. Didn't get to the point where I needed to go to a hospital. And I, my health, I was able to handle it. COVID's different. It could get you. You don't have big and symptoms, it, and then you're dead three days later. Right. 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 So I love the thing of law and order. You're taking this as a secret serviceman. You're taking this as a, you know what I mean? You're, you're looking at all of these areas for your choice, Mike. You know, you're, you're you know, um, uh, oh, goodness gracious, you know, so that's what, that's what you're, that's how you're looking at things. And you're saying to yourself, if I'm running the state, I'm going to make sure I investigate. I make sure I'm going to find the areas where the hot spots are, and I'm going to shut those down. I'm going to, I'm going to mitigate and then move forward. I'm not going to open up areas that could be hot spots where there are a lot of old folks homes, where there are lots of elderly people, but also where there's lots of people and certain activities shouldn't be opened up till the right time. But it looks like every governor's failed on this. So 
what will you do now? What do you do now in Florida? Well, like I said, we, we need to know why we're spiking it. We don't, we don't have an answer to that question. And until we know what that is, what the reason is, then we could, then we could deal with it. At this point, it's just, it's just happening. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, you know, myself, I mean, somebody came over here and they were sick and they didn't tell me they were sick, you know, and I got a call, you know, you know, five days later. And, you know, I got sick, you know, I'm not well, you know, so now, now I have to quarantine myself, go to the doctor and, you know, start taking the right stuff. Um, you know, Quina, I just ordered some, you know, quinine water, you know, or, or you know, vitamins, B's, P's, C's, you know, just overdose on that stuff as much as you can. Um, and then rest and get better. Uh, because, because, uh, and I don't know if I have it or not, you know, how I'm going to take the test Tuesday, but, but I'll tell you this, I just haven't been feeling well. And it's a scary thing not to feel well. Oh, it's, you know, it's totally scary. And I think you're telling people now, what about the whole science of the mask? I'm glad we're giving, we're get, finding out from Mike Filardi, the person, a lot of yeah. politicians wouldn't answer these questions, Mike, would they? No way. Well, no, maybe not. I mean, I put myself out there, you know? Yeah, I mean, the whole thing that might not be a political party stance or whatever. Right. Wearing a mask, we know, does not stop the person wearing a mask from getting COVID. That's a guarantee. Right. But the mask is like covering your mouth when you sneeze or covering so that it decreases the amount of of germs that come through. So the argument that a mask doesn't help at all is absolutely false. Well, I, I prefer a face shield for okay. two reasons. One with a face shield, you can actually breathe. It doesn't inhibit your breathing like a mask does. It truly does. Yeah. Okay. And, and two, you have, if somebody were to spit on you, you have that shield in front of you to protect. And I think that, that shield will stop anything where a mask can be a little bit more porous. Yeah. There's no, you know, it can't get through the shield. You know what I'm saying? It's a plastic shield. So, so, so I think a, a sh- the shields are better uh, because it gives you the ability to breathe. Number one, number two, it'll stop anything because it's a, it's a thick plastic. Makes. Yeah, truly. Um, and so, so look at the face shields. There's something Mike, you should go tweet out right now. Yeah. Let's consider face shields instead of the mask. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that's yeah, that's true. I haven't felt like tweeting anything in the face. I haven't done anything. <laughs> no, I've got to be honest with you. I'm glad you did the show for sure. Uh, call to action: You need money, right? August. When is the? And again, I saw all these top people that Laura's probably paying to tweet for her, meaning yes. the you know endorsing her campaign. Major people that you know what. Mike, maybe we should invite him on the show. Maybe we should yep. bring on these top celebrity conservatives, they say, that are endorsing Laura Loomer and ask him why. What yeah. do you see in yeah. her le- record? I, I, yeah. I, I don't think they'll show up because Laura doesn't, she them, has a very thin record. Mike Velarde's my co hmm? Judge Jeanine is one. Who are the others? Yeah, I, I heard Judge Janine really doesn't support her. I don't think Judge Janine really knows her. If Judge Janine did, uh, it's, I, Judge Janine's too smart. I mean, there's nothing that Laura's done. 
I mean, she's a great journalist. I'll give her credit for that. She hasn't had any positions of responsibility. Matter of fact, she's so irresponsible that she couldn't respond to either Liz Felton or myself when we invited her on the show. She just doesn't respond to anybody. Is that what we want in government, really? She doesn't know what government, how government works. She's never worked for the government like I have for 22. She's never worked for a Fortune 500 company like I have. She's never had her own business like I had for the last nine years having to make payroll. Absolutely zero responsibility in her, her life. She's doing this to make a name for herself so, so more people could contribute and she could live a nice, nice lifestyle without having to work. And that's all she's about. Man, She'll man. never win in the general because there's a whole bunch of people that hate her. Uh, my understanding is she's going to get hit with a whole bunch of lawsuits because she doesn't pay people. She, she, you know, she threatens. She does things that you just shouldn't do. And I, I don't think any of those people would come on. Listen, I would love to have them on. If they did, I'd be happy to debate her qualifications versus mine. I don't think it's even close. I mean... You know, when she was a 10-year-old playing in the sandbox, I was looking for body parts on 9-11. Exactly. And that's what people should look at. Uh, right now, the polls, update us in the polls. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking third. But she is 72% undecided. 72% undecided. 72%. That means this race is wide open. And that's why I need to raise 45000 over the next two months so that I could get my message out there. And that's why if people go to Velarde 2020, Velarde 2020, V-I-L-A-R-D-I 2020.com and contribute, it would really help me. Because, because without the money to get the message out, you know, in the, in the social media, I know you're doing a great job for me on the Twitter. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I got to do parlor a little bit. I mean, I started with these things, but then I got sick. And from the time I got sick, I haven't done, I haven't done much, in all honesty. I just haven't felt up to it. And I got, I got a you know, short period of time to make it happen. And you will. And don't give up. The, something will come up in the next time before that. But who knows? Will that primary happen in August? It could be pushed to September, October. I hate to say that if things go the way they're going and uh, we just, we'll, we'll find out soon. Go to Velarde2020.com for more information. Also, you can purchase your book by going to. Yes. MikeVelardeBooks.com. MikeVelardeBooks.com. And it's a great book. Got great reviews on Goodreads. Really good reviews. Very proud of, um, you know, what I did with that and uh, the, the way people have um, really enjoyed it. And uh, it's really very, you know, very nice. So it's a good book. It's the best book I've ever written. It's my third one. And I think that, um, you know, anybody that buys it will get a lot out of it. All right. Well, appreciate coming by. Let's get good news on Tuesday. And thanks for stopping by. Neil, thank you. Thank you again. Be well. Right. Take care. Mike Velarde show. That was the Mike Velarde show, everyone. Well, we're simulcasting, and I'm with Jen Mogg. And Jen, we have an exciting guest, and I thought this is the perfect celebrity guest first for you because of the fact of the matter that's awesome about it is she is just like you, entertainer, uh, <laughs> mother. All It's a perfect fit for your first celebrity interview simulcasting with me. So, Jen Mogg, thanks for stopping by, and I'm excited about our guest. 
Thank you, and welcome to a beautiful day. I'm Jennifer, mother of gratitude. With me is Pearl Sharenza, my life coach and best friend. Hello, everybody. I'm excited to be here with you all today. And if there's one thing that we do know of, it is gratitude. And so today I'm very happy and thankful to have Diane Franklin a part of our show. Not only is she an amazing woman of gratitude, mother of gratitude, she has two children. Um, she's an actress that is basically what I want to know. Basically, you came out of the womb acting, right? I mean, you knew what you wanted to do in this life from a small age, and you've made it happen throughout your life, right? Well, yes. And uh, by the way, thank you so much. I have gratitude to be on this show. Um, I just definitely want to say that, um, you know, I've done a lot of interviews, but what I, I really find wonderful about this show is that you're connecting to my core, which is sort of where all the good things happen. All good things happen out of your gratitude. So, um, yes, uh, I started at a very young age because I knew very early what I wanted to do. And, you know, I'm going to tell you people, there's a lot of people who don't know what they want to do in life. And I'm going to tell you that at one point you really did. But somebody exactly. might have said to you, you can't do that, or that's silly, or they might have put a judgment on it. So if you're asking yourself in life, like, you know, gosh, I just I don't care about anything. You need to do a little soul searching, because honestly, and, and that may change, you know, what you want to do when you're little changes as you get older, too, you know, you might want different things more, you might want to just experience the dance of life. But just answering your question, Jen, I started, you know, um, I wanted, I knew when I was four years old, I wanted to act. And we, I went to an agent, like my parents didn't know anything. They were German immigrants. They did, but like, what's happening? We don't know why this child, what she wants to do. You know, like we were, you know, lower middle class. And I was raised as an only child. So my parents had more time and they were also older. My parents were in their forties when they had me. So by then, I think they were just a little bit exhausted. And they were like, okay, well, what, how do we do this? So when I was four, they took me, you know, we got to an agency and, uh, they didn't take me. My hair was too short and curly that, and they said like, grow it out. We, you know, it wasn't the style. Wow. And I think I was probably too undisciplined as a child. Um, you know, I was a child and, you know, and at that time it wasn't like a lot of kids did that. I mean, necessarily, uh, you know, certainly people who were, you know, out of the, you know, immigrant people coming into the country, not knowing what to do. So I, like you said, worked very hard until I was 10 years old where I never forgot my dream. And there's so two aspects. I never forgot my dream and my parents didn't stand in my way. And they right. show, I showed them how I proved it to them, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm, I'm going to let you ask more questions, but I just want to give you that background of, you know, I teach acting and I, I, to kids now. And, and so one of the things that's really important is, you know, it's a, when you want something, if you want to become something, there's two things that are very important. One is you can't choose when that thing will happen, but if you work hard, it will happen. Yeah. So you have to do it. I always tell my, even my kids, don't tell people you want to be something, show it, do exactly. it, let's see it. And then if they do it, then people will see it and they go, Oh, well that person can do that. But if you say, you know, I want to be a famous blah, blah, blah. I want to do this. Well, ev that's very easy to say. So um, 
I'm, I have so much information, but all I can say is that this very important is certainly in my lifetime. Um, I came from a German family, so it's like we work hard. I don't even know if it's in the genes, you know, um, but you know, it is. And you and I have right? very similar childhoods where I knew out of the womb what I wanted to do. And there's a picture of me <gasps> thanking the Academy and it was my dog. Oh. And I have giant sunglasses on that are my, my mom's sunglasses. And my dad always put it up on the wall in the montage. And I'm like, no, that's, I was thinking the Academy. Um, and then, you know, and it's, <gasps> it's hilarious. You had big I know who they were, mm -hmm. but at four years old, I was thinking the Academy. And that's and wow. I went, oh, sorry, yeah, Jen. Ahead, when, when I was young, I wanted to be a teacher, but, and Diane, my parents oh. are part German. So we were very, you know, hard workers ourselves and our family, mm -hmm. but I always wanted to be a teacher but I never was afforded the opportunity to go to college. So here I am now, I'm, I'm in my, I'm still, I'm teaching, in, but it's just a different way of teaching. That's so true. Oh, and, and I'm gonna tell you something, which is another, uh, another awesome thing, okay? I just graduated from college. Uh, I got my BA, like, oh. I think it was 2017. Wow, I didn't... No, wait, yeah, 17. So oh, what I'm saying is, why I'm not so go back to school you. if you want? Yeah, oh, I'm like I started school. I'm still working online. Acting. Yeah, right. So yeah, I mean, why why do we stop ourselves as adults? It's crazy to become go after ourselves. To me, and I, I just have to say, this is such a bizarre thing. I've the one thing if you have to say is I've never lost my innocent hope of life since I was a kid, and I've been through a lot of things. I, it's not like I've had a a, a I've never I have not had a golden life, which I think. Some people do. Some people have a very easy life, yeah. and I and everyone doesn't have the same script, right? right? But I think when you have a difficult life, it makes a story more interesting. It makes it richer, and it makes you have more. Then grow your confidence and your self esteem grows. So those of you who have had trauma in your life or you know some hardship, obviously, um, the key is to keep moving forward and exactly. the, the uh, belief in yourself. Yeah. Right? There's so many things. Now, Pearl, now, as a teacher yourself, Pearl, I wanted to get, to get you, and then I know you have a question for Diana, as I love doing this moderation type thing. It's fun. <laughs> I don't have to ask questions. Just kind of lead the whole conversation of, of, with such a great uh, crew. Pearl, your whole focus as a life coach is teaching people. You teach, you listen, then you teach through your story, your experiences. So kind of share with us specifically gratitude, especially adding Gratitude Radio Network to part of this and your beautiful day. How important gratitude is when you teach people as a life coach? I think it's a lot too like what Diane said, because you know we never know what life's gonna hand us and our script is not, it's not all the same written. And so for me, as a young age, my dad did two and a half tours in Vietnam. And up until 13, I didn't really have my dad in my life. So I you know, was the person who helped my mom while she was working because back then when they went off to war, you didn't get to stay on base. So we'd go to upstate New York. And so I learned a lot from my granny as well. My granny, we'd be in the kitchen making cinnamon rolls and just all kinds of things and just the lessons in life I learned from her about, you know, there's nothing that can hold you back, you, no matter what is in front of you. You have your, you know, you have a vision. Back then, they didn't call it vision. Granny just said, you know what you want, just go do it. You can do it. Mm -hmm. And so I think I've always had that gratitude of knowing from my granny and then my mom, knowing that 
I can do anything I want to do. There's nothing to stop me except me. Mm-hmm. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I've come through so much in these years of, then I met my husband at 19 in California. And, you know, we immediately, once we got married, tried to have a family and for 10 years, that didn't happen. And we were blessed to have our oldest son born of our heart through adoption. And, um, and then years later, we had our younger son through infertility help. And so I always had that gratitude of knowing that somebody out there had given me this opportunity. If it wasn't for the scientist and the birth mom and things like that, I wouldn't have had this opportunity. So when I work with my women that I work with, because I, I work with some men, but mostly I work with women um, and they've gone through all kinds of things from an abusive relationship to not being happy in their body, just different things. And so we sit down and we talk about, well, what is it you really want? And Diane, I think, I think it was really awesome when you said somewhere when we were younger, somebody told us we can't do something. So mm-hmm. when it comes to that, we really want to do that in the back of our head, that self-talk is going, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And so yeah. changing that mindset. And that's what I think it's, it's so awesome to be able to pay it, play it forward and help women change that mindset that you can do it. You just have to picture yourself doing it. You know, I'm working with a lady right now and she's trying to change jobs. She's like, I don't think the job's out there. I said, that's because you're telling yourself it's not out there. You need mm-hmm. to get up every morning yeah. and tell yourself, the job I want sure. is there and it's waiting for me and be happy to know it's going to come. It's not always going to be when we want it, but right. like Diane exactly. said, the timing. Yeah, just It'll manifest. Manifest it. And mm-hmm. so for me in, in meeting Jen, I met Jen last October. Um, it, it's just like, I think she was that, that soul sister that was waiting out there for the two of us to come on this path of, of really reaching out to women and bringing on other women and other guests like Diane to say, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, nothing stops you and be grateful for what you have today. And if you're, if you're listening to this right now and you're in a valley, just understand the climbing the mountain is going to be the best part to that accomplishment. Mm -hmm. You're going to have so many lessons that you learn that when you look back, you're going to be able to teach somebody that lesson you learned. Yes. And everyone has their, um, you know, we all have to sort of find our purpose. And sometimes through that, you find out like, okay, purpose gives you like meaning in life. Like, so if you're like a down person right now, you have to say to yourself, well, you know, what is my purpose in life? I mean, in the big picture, what am I, you know, I think the biggest problem with happiness sometimes is that we think that it's, I mean, a right and that it's just right here and it's got to come to us when, and you're talking about gratitude when if you say to yourself, what is my purpose in the world? Am I here to bring happiness? Am I here to bring, um, you know, care? Am I here to bring lessons? Am I here to bring, um, you know, uh, entertainment? So you have to figure that out. And that changes um, every, it could change every six months if you're that kind of person where, you know, maybe you get bored of doing one thing. I mean, that's a personality, you know, trait. So we got to get off our backs and get off our um, self-berating that wastes so much time. Like really it is like, if you're a self-berating person, like, Oh, I, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm like, you know, I mean, stop. You're wasting a lot of your energy and your focus on the negativity when you could be saying, you know, what can I do to make this better? You know, what can I do? Right. I mean, there's, okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) You you brought up all really, you're really hitting important points that is important that I know that, Jen talks about all the time of why she started Gratitude Radio Network and your show is you want to bring hope. You want to bring a sense that you can do things. I think that people in their mind, 
believe that they can't do something, they never will. And I work with clients all the time. Yeah. The biggest yeah. thing that keeps them from doing it is not believing they can't. And that, Jen, is something that you want to teach so many women out all over the world that they can do it, right? Right, because one of the cool things, Diane, is that I went back from my childhood. I went back after my second divorce. I realized I had been completely derailed from doing what I'm supposed to do in life. And it was because of the people mm. saying, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, why? Um, and having that child, right. wonder, why not? And I went back and unfroze parts of my life that were frozen. Exactly what you're saying. I went back to dig out who I was in the beginning and where I got, you know, I can do anything and I know I can do anything. And I have, I've done exactly what I wanted to do. Maybe not on the scale that I want it yet, but it's here and it's manifesting. And it's something that you had done as a kid. Same thing, self-discipline. You put the, you just put the blinders on and you went, you know, and when you came back yeah, to that audition after they said, come back with your hair straight and curl, you know, instead of curly. Yeah. You went back with your hair straightened, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, because I, mean, I do, you know, I did what it took to get to where I want to go. But right. I, I will, I want to say this too. Why do we give other people more power than we give ourselves. Like why do, when someone, you said something, it's interesting. You said, when somebody says, you know, I can't do this. And you said, why? You're even giving someone else the power by asking them why. You're asking them That's a question. Right. What I'm saying is, right? What we want to say is if someone says to you, you can't do it, you say, that's what you think. And yeah. you let it go. Like you don't give them the power. We, it's so fascinating how other, we allow other people the power of our lives, like who we are. And for people who have certainly been like even abused and stuff, the, there is something very important and that is comfort factor. And that is when you go back to, to patterns of self-destruction, you're going back to places where it feels comfortable. Um, but comfort isn't where we're, what we're talking about. We're talking about right, hard exactly. work. We're talking about refocusing to a place where, yeah, it's going to feel weird. Yeah. yeah, that's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, you're going to be like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just trusting this is going to be good. And that is the, the, that transition of, that you have to go through in order to make your life better is how it's supposed to feel, okay, mm -hmm. until you get there and it becomes the norm. That's All right? There. Whatever. You know, I've been in business for a little while now. My one of my sons asked me one time, "So, mom, you know, it, you know, it's it's not a, sometimes it's not great right out of the gate, right?" So, well, mom, right. you keep pushing forward. It's it's not going the way you want to. Why why don't you just give up? I'm like, because that's not in my vocabulary. Just watch me. I'm, oh, it, I love that. It's, it's I don't give up. I don't. You can if somebody tries to tell me why or you can't do that, I'm like, well, watch me. I, I was the number. I was the beautiful. Top I was a top female loan officer in my company that I worked with in Virginia and there was 40 men. There was only four women. I was a top female and I was number three in the company. And you know, they kept telling me, you can't do this. I'm like, watch me. I came out of the wow. gate eight months pregnant, started calling out an office because oh. I lost all my loan officers I used to work with. And, and they're like, there's no way to work. I'm like, I took over the office with the worst production. And within, even after I had my son, we were the number one office within six months. So I was like, don't, don't tell me I can't. Well, you're bringing up something that yeah. is so important. And I was going to say this. I'm stubborn. Mm -hmm. So how about you ladies? Are you stubborn? Yeah, stubborn. <laughs> yeah, get that, yeah. Irish. <laughs> that, that can work for your favor. It can also not work very well too. Yeah. <laughs> but stubbornness is part of what 
you got to, yeah, <laughs> when you're saying that, it makes me think, wow, right. Got to be stubborn, so Diane, make it happen. Was, was your first gig um, with the soap opera As the World Turn? Well, so, okay. What was, I, your really, my, what was your first big break, your first real? My big break. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. That's so it, cool. Like, I would say, I would have to say the soap opera probably was my, well, it was my stepping stone. Like I did a, a play and like, are you talking about big roles? The, the soap opera was good training and okay. it was good. It was, yeah. it was a big break in, in the sense that, you know, it was, I worked ev like every other week for, mm -hmm. you know, like six months or something like, um, you know, it, you had to memorize dialogue really quickly. Um, I was kind of thrown into the pool, you know, like, you know, with my clothes on kind of like, okay, let's go. Right. And so that was really, um, you know, sometimes I thought, okay, well, I don't, maybe don't know all the aspects of how to do this or anything, right? You just go in, um, but I'm going to be brave. And I'm going to just go for it. And if they think I can do it, well, certainly then whatever, here we go. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> so there's sort of a, you know, kind of like, I didn't doubt myself. I just, again, moved forward and just sort of went, okay, well, I'm going to do my best, you know? And um, I uh, learned so much. And I, I have to say, I experienced like a, a, a real surge of confidence after I finished it because I thought, well, if I could do that, I can do anything. That was you know, sort of, because it's so high pressure. And soap opera is very high pressure. Yeah. Um, you get maybe max two takes, max, you know, usually it's one take, let's move on. Or you did that take and you went, well, that really wasn't as good as I could do it. And they, okay, no, we're moving. So then you go, oh, wait, that means the next time I have to do my really, my really, really best for the first take because they're going to just move on. So, um, there's you know, there's no warm up. Right? No, oh, no. There's, there's like no, no there's, rehearsal. No, <laughs> I mean, at the time, in the 80s. that's what people don't understand. Yeah. You're just told to go. There's no yeah. rehearsal like you have in a play. And to me, yeah. a, a soap oh. opera is very much a film play. Yes. Oh, very nicely put. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, the best you could do is maybe before you could get together with the other person who is the actor who you're doing the scene, but maybe they'll do it with you, but maybe they won't because they're a regular on the show and they're tired and they've been doing this 24 seven. So they may just be like, whatever, let's just get this done. I'm, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm like done with this. Um, five episodes so, a week, right, Diane? That's the difference. You know, you shoot it for, yeah. for a show, 13 weeks, 17 weeks, but it's every day, five days a week for a soap. That's the difference. That's yeah. where I yeah, with dialogue the next day, like, and I'm not talking right. just a line, I'm talking like pages no. and pages. So it's so bizarre. Yeah. I think, you know, actually, the soap opera actors are the most, I mean, people sometimes like this, oh, well, soap opera acting. And the truth is, mm. they have the most amazing memories. And I look back at like the, the, even the older people, I'm like, oh, my gosh, how do they remember all those lines? It's just too much. Like, um, it's they're really skilled and again in the entertainment business there are very it's there's a lot of technical aspects that come with each different um media medium medium so mm -hmm. you know films demand different things than television than commercials than you know a guest starring on something than a regular um they're all bringing out different different um things and i mean with all of them you know my goal was to touch on everything because i liked the entertainment business and I wanted to see what is it like to do voiceover what's it like to do commercials I have always been um 
that's sort of my was my personal goal of and you know being an actress you know I didn't want to just stay in film I wanted to experience all the different things and I think that's now becoming a total advantage in teaching you know teaching drama well you're well you're well rounded you're well versed you wanted mm -hmm. to know the industry and curious and, and be able to come perfect. from a place of like if people say I'm an actress I'm like oh yeah I I'm an actress I've done it all and so this is where you know I can I can come from a place of knowledge of what it is right. and then also the truth you know because right. um, whatever keep, anyway keep keep going well, what mentors go ahead go ahead Pearl. Oh, sorry sorry Jen one of the things that I liked that I was reading um that you shared at one time when you talked about going into interviews was that or auditions auditions um, sorry mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not the right. <laughs> I, I that's how you learn the lingo yeah but, but I love what you talked about and for me this really hit hit close to what I do I um, with with my women and that is that you talked about the self-discipline self-talk that you went into every audition as an opportunity and what my mm -hmm. thing is when I talked and coaches my clients is you know things are not just handed to you so when you have that opportunity you know what are you doing with that opportunity and when I do um, we have yearly retreats that I do with women and we go away for a weekend we hang in our PJs which I'm excited Jen's coming this year for the first time but that's what we, we, we really we talk about those things about, you know, the self-talk and self-discipline. And then what are you doing with those opportunities that lead you to the dream or vision that you have on your goal sheet? And I thought that was so awesome that at a young age, you learn that. Like you were so mm -hmm. disciplined with the school and going to auditions, going back home, bring yourself to the city. Can you speak more? And to bring that? your happiness with you. You know, we, you don't come with the energy of outcome. You go with the energy of, I enjoy the process. And how do you do that is like going for an audition, as an example, um, even, I mean, I'm, when I say this, I'm bringing it full circle to even today. When I go for an audition for something, um, I say to myself, like, I may look, go for a project and might think, eh, I don't know if I really like the project. So then I say, okay, wait, I got to kick myself out of the head of the outcome. Because you know what? You never know how it's going to be directed and how it's going to turn out. So when then I come back and I say, well, what is it that I love about this particular audition? Do I love the character? Do I love the dialogue? Do I love the sense of humor, the tone? And when I go in, I know that uh, I, I, tr my goal is to do it as if I got the job already and mm -hmm. then do it as that. I, it's like, Oh, okay. I got the job. Don't worry about it. Now I'm going to do the role, the audition. And we're just, it, I'm just doing the show. So people get to see what my thing is. And so I'm giving my interpretation. And then if I do not get the job, even if it's like a project, Oh, I love this project. And I might be disappointed that we're not talking about like emotional connection, but you know, the world is funny. You're not, you're not where you should be, shouldn't be. Like maybe this project isn't really meant for me. Maybe it's not, maybe in the future I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I didn't do that job because this and this happened. So you don't know, like you get what you are ready for. You get mm -hmm. what's meant to happen. If you're not ready for it, you know, if I would have, there's certain projects that like, I think if I had gotten it, I would not have been ready for it and actually would have been a very, it would have been too overwhelming for me and maybe I would have, you know, um, you know, maybe not made the best choices in life. So life is, it, it's an interest, interesting. And there's where the gratitude is, you know, I, I, I uh, 
deal with what you deal with in the rejection, Jen, and what Diane's able to deal with in rejection. Yeah. It's difficult. Like it's yeah, I don't see it as rejection. Wanna, People have always said that. I'm like, where? I right. really want this job. We all, Jen and mm -hmm. Earl and I, and Diane too, and where you go in, you say, I really love this. I want this job. And then you don't get mm -hmm. it. Imagine doing that hundreds of times in your oh. career and with a no. That's, that's tough. Three times a day. But, yeah, but you don't take it personally. It is, I'm not right for what they want. In that right. moment, they're looking for something, but I'm not what they're looking for. You know, if I go into an audition and they want a, you know, six foot, um, you know, uh, blonde, you know, uh, you know, girl with big eyebrows and giant teeth, whatever. I don't even know what to say. Like just somebody who's completely, I have big eyebrows, but anyway, something that's completely different. No matter how much I want it or work hard, I won't get it because that's not what they're looking for. So, but, but I'll come in and do a great job. I'll come in and do a great job. And then they'll go, you know what? We had that other girl. Maybe let's bring her in because she did a really good job and she had a good attitude. Right. And good attitude, when, good attitude is everything. People will hire someone with a good attitude over a bad attitude um, because they know they can work with them. And this is a very important part where you were talking about life coaching. Mm -hmm. Very important. Yeah. And let's be honest. Would you want to work with someone who is not, who is not, who did not have a problem solving head? Would you want to work with somebody who's like, yeah, we can make that work. Right. That's so true. What and would you want? Yeah, it's so true. I have had um, clients come in to me. They're like, well, the last coach I worked with, she told me to do this, this, and this. I'm like, well, did you want to do it? Like, no. I'm like, okay, that's the difference between yeah. me and you. I know you have it. My role is not to tell you what to do. My role is to help exactly. you see it inside, help you dig it out, and let's find the tools and make it work. Yes. And then you'll be happy. Pearl, that's a definition of a coach yeah. right there. Yes. Well, unfortunately, there's some out there that don't take that approach when they're coaching. They're telling you, you need to do this, 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 and this. And it's like, well, they'll never get it done. not a coach. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely said. <laughs> and being on the flip side of it as a producer and as a director, I know I'm looking for a character. I'm looking for that right. character that fits it. I can't shoehorn someone into the script. Yeah. They have to be that yeah. person. And once I could wrap my head around that, then I understood all the cattle calls that I went to. But what I did it's notice- Beautiful, I'm glad you said that. Exactly, as a person, it's not personal. It is that you love, maybe all the right. actors that come in, but you know, you're like, I'm looking for this because this is gonna tell my story better or this is gonna right. be clear. And that's exactly right. And it's the job of the actor to bring it to you. Just do your best. Right. And then if you need it something is. else, you go, oh wait, what was that actor? We need a part of this and this person's perfect for it. Mm-hmm. No, and that's exactly, that's the difference. And that was really what opened my eyes is being on the flip side of it and realizing everybody, you know, you love everybody that comes in practically. Um, and you know, you want the right person and the people that you, especially for my crew, my sets are legendary because everybody gets along. Everybody has great food. We're all one. Nice. And our focus, <laughs> right, right. There's salads galore. Uh -huh. You don't have to worry about anything. There's food, you know. If someone yes. needs to take their medication, Happy go take your medication. Take care of each other. <laughs> yeah. It's it's in Hollywood, as you know, it's hard because if someone has diabetes, if they have something, they're afraid to let anybody else know. Where 
I'm the complete opposite. Yeah, because they don't want to be a problem. And it's like, oh my gosh. It's not a problem. We're taking a break anyway. You just hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. Who needs what? Okay, I'm the mom. I'm a mom, you know, mother of gratitude. Yeah. So my set is everybody's happy. You know, my set is for what do we need? And when you have that family. That's a good producer. The good mom is a good producer, right? It's like, you know, that's the same You know that. Right? Yeah. And, And you play it forward in that direction. Of, of everybody because then you have a really good product at the end of it but it's hard yeah. to know when you're in those lines and when you're you know you're a little bloated maybe they may hold that against you or what because there's 20,000 other people out there you, well, know, you hold you, it against yourself that's you the key you're yourself. right what side are you on I mean it is interesting once as the actor when you're the actor and you have not been on the other side of producing or doing things you don't See that perspective. And during my time in the 80s, actors were actors. They were not directors. They were not producers. They were not writers. Meaning, if you did that, you didn't tell anyone you did it. You were only yes. on one side. You were the actor. That it was like doctors and doctors, actors and actors. You. Yeah, one job. Today, thank goodness, you can do many jobs and you can be seen in many different occupations because of the way the world is. So yeah. that's a blessing. Oh my gosh, if you today, if you're young actor, performer, yes, write your own material. Yes, you know, make your own shows too because you want to, your knowledge of being on both sides will really put things in perspective and help you. I agree. In all ways. Or, Diane, they put people in a box a lot now. You have to specialize Mm -hmm. in one thing. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? That's not me. Yeah. And so I yeah, guess yeah. being an entertainer myself in the professional wrestling, I never wanted, I, want, I was behind the camera producing, doing all these different things, not just performing. And then you mm-hmm. get in this entrepreneur thing. You have to figure out a, a niche. Well, I said, well, that's just not who I am. I want to have multiple things and learn right. multiple things because it gets boring. But I, I'm sure. Exactly. It, yeah. Uh, exactly. Can I, can I, the biggest lie was, oh, it has been, and even today, like I actually talked to somebody about this, is that, you, you know, the biggest lie is you have to do one thing, but the smart people do many things and they all do it at the same time. And when you do many things, something is bound to go and it's very exciting. And for those who are very, very intelligent, you're going to fly because you're going to be so happy that you can go and do all those things, you know? Be willing to learn new things. That's the other part that even mm-hmm. though I can't do this, I'm going to figure out how to do it, but then I might hire somebody to do it for me, but at least I know how to do it. Then I have the knowledge to speak to other people about it. If we are always thinking we're going to constantly be the same, it's just, it gets old and you just feel mm-hmm. like it's Groundhog Day regardless of what you do. And we <laughs> saw this from the coronavirus. Nicely. Right? That was great. Exactly. Yeah, Groundhog Day. <laughs> doing the same thing over and over again and not making changes and not having a schedule. It was so important for me to keep a structured schedule throughout, even though I'm just always at home and keep going. Well, and now you're, now you're talking about that discipline, this structured schedule. Right. And this is, you know, even with the coronavirus now, you know, how do you keep, you are creating your own structured schedule during a time where you can do anything. Right. I love I mean, I love having the freedom because I am structured. Some people just can do that. But if you're not, don't get down on yourself. You know, you, you yeah. need time to ramp up and learn how to be. So this is where working with a life coach or, you know, working with somebody, a friend or being able to learn the skills. Um, again, we're not all born with the same information and we need to reach out for the things we don't know. And only you know what you don't know, you yeah. know? 
<laughs> it's like Curtis from Better Off Dead now. You know, it's really bad, really, right? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. Oh, says, my oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pearl, you want to go with that one? So I, lo I, I love that movie. Um, you know, as we're, what we're talking about, and Neil, you talk about having different things to do. Um, it's funny because one of the things and part of why I went through my life coaching certification is because I we moved here from to Florida from Virginia and Jen's heard this in my story before, but I, um, our goal was I was going to be a stay at home mom. And I thought, Oh, that's my role. However, mm. you know, for 15 years, like that's what I did. And when my son started to get, my oldest son started getting close to graduating high school, I was taking this identity and destiny class. And I had a friend call me out and said, we had to write our, our identity and everything in mind still talked about being a mom. And it still talked about my older son. And my friend called me out and said, where are you in that story? And don't you have another son? And I was like, oh, that was like, wow. So now that's why today when I go and I speak on platforms, I talk about, you know, yeah, my name is Pearl and it's a beautiful name, but I'm a beautiful person. And, you know, there's, you got to find your Jen, you got to find your Diane, you got to find your yep. Neil. You know, you need to find who that person is because that person needs to come first because that person you need to take care of. And all the things like we're talking about, about having a self-discipline and self-talk, telling yourself, you know, I'm important. It's okay for me to be first because if I take care of me, taking care of my kids and, you know, my spouse. Whatever, Everything follows. You have to have self-care is very important because it allows you to care for others. Yes, absolutely. You can't, because the world will run you ragged, right? Like the yeah. world... You know, yeah, so you what, must. That's why I love what Neil said about having you have different things to do. And so I know you have um, two kids, Diane, and, and I think um, yeah. your daughter's in comedy, right? And your son does music? Yes. So what? Yes. Very. What, thank you for remembering. You're welcome. How old are they? Oh my gosh. My daughter just turned 24. And How is that my son is. Oh, what would you say? How is that possible? You're so young looking. Oh. Thank you. Oh, gosh. How is that possible oh. to have a 27-year-old? Yeah, no, 24, 24. 24. But, yeah, but still, like, you know, it, 24, wow. and my son is 21, and that is crazy. crazy. That's right around they're the age of tiny. boys. <laughs> they're tiny. They're really tiny. <laughs> they're yeah. like babies. They're babies for me, and I, I always make sure that they know, like, you know, they're, I, I, I love and respect and so happy that they have grown into these awesome people and doing amazing things. Um, but they're always little, my babies, which I think is such an important yeah. part of emotional. Like you can always come home to your mom and be with your mom and let down. And I don't know, just it's important to be able to oh, have allow yourself to be the baby in, with one relationship with somebody where they, you, they take care of you and you can just talk and get things out and, you know, and you can learn things from them. It's just, it's very, or be, you know, taken care of, like, I'll get you something. I'll do this for you. I'll, you know, I'll save this money for you. I'll do, you know, that kind of thing. So, right. um, but that's probably because that was my, my relationship with my mom was, you know, she was really so, um, she was like, she was, my mom was like, um, like a wise woman. And because, she, and now she was like older, I would almost say that she would be like ra being raised by grandmother, that kind of thing. So. Um, but we were, t I wanted to say, uh, with better off dead. Um, I wanted to bring that up because I love the film and I also am writing a book about it right now, which is really? about bringing this positive energy and the gratitude and everything, 
um, in, and hopefully I'll have it done by the end of the year uh, before Christmas. Um, and uh, so, but it is a.